the heyday of 1970s radio in Indianapolis, WIFE, and AM Juggernaut. It's where Ann Craig Cinnamon first found her voice on the airwaves, and then took the next step, moving on to Indy's big radio McGillop on the FM side of the dial back then. The Wrath of the Buzzard. WNAP, Indianapolis. WNAP, a giant in the indie radio market. It's where Ann made history, becoming the first woman to have a major role in the indie morning radio show landscape, and then set her sights on a career in TV news at startup local Indianapolis independent station WPDS. Many adults find them a nuisance, but child-resistant safety caps on medicine bottles do save lives. But and Craig Cinnamon, the Louisville native, IU grad, Indianapolis media pioneer, and now an entrepreneur in the world of global travel. She's my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the 97th episode of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Deck. Before we get started this week, you are not going to want to miss our guest for the 100th episode of the podcast. He's a mix of Indiana sports and media with a, a touch of controversy. We'll drop episode 100 later on this month. Now on to this week and Craig Cinnamon. Before she ever got a hold of a microphone and a reporter's notebook and got a taste of life in Iran before the Islamic Revolution. Iran was known for poetry, music, dance, food. Quite a journey for Anne Craig Cinnamon from living in Iran to graduating IU to earning a spot in the Indiana Broadcasters Hall of Fame to life now as an author and world traveler. And it gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome Ann Craig Cinnamon to the podcast. Ann, it's been a while since I've seen you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I am great. And my question to begin the podcast is you are in Indianapolis. You're not in some faraway land because <laughs> you are, and your husband, John, are travel gurus. Literally, it's your business, right? It is our business, has been for the last 11 years or so. Um, we got into travel uh, along with, we have done quite a few other businesses after broadcasting and during broadcasting. But, you know, they say do what you love, and, well, we love to travel. So we got into it. Well, obviously, I want to talk about your broadcasting career because I think that's where so many people know you from. But but it was interested to learn, you, you truly uh, are – entrepreneurial. I mean, you've started, as you say, you started several businesses. Where does that come from? That Because uh, starting a business, running a business, as you know full well, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, you, can, no, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's rewarding and there are a lot of positives, but it's, it can be challenging. Uh, definitely. And I think it comes from the fact that when you're in broadcasting, you're really not in control. You know, you're at somebody's whim at all times, whether, you know, you look good tonight or you didn't or you sounded good in the morning or you didn't or um, somebody just doesn't like you or or you get a new program director or, or things just change and you're not really in control. And so 
we were, um, John and I, my husband, John and I had done morning show at WENS together for a couple of years and, and frankly, we're fired. And uh, so we were trying to chart our own path so that we weren't dependent on yeah. that kind of thing anymore. And so we bought a mortgage business of all things. And we ran that for a couple of years. And that was scary because there was a lot of overhead. Yeah. That was completely new kind of thing for us. And then um, we went back into into radio and uh, did it for another quite a few years. But in the meantime, we also owned a uh, three location dry cleaners. Then after that, we've we've owned a magazine. We've owned an e-commerce website, and then we got into travel and we bought a travel franchise. But now we're independent contractors for Travel Leaders, which is a very large travel franchise. Give folks an idea because uh, when I say you, you you travel, that's to put put it mildly. How, how many how many countries have you visited? One hundred fifteen. Wow. Now, do you have a favorite, or I guess the most most unusual? Because you've been to some pretty exotic locations, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I lived in Iran, you know, many many years ago. I did see that? Yeah. I've even written a book about that, and so that would be. Well, I think that. That isn't really where it all came from. It really came from my parents who were uh, big into traveling. I hit 49 of the 50 states with my parents. Wow. Uh-huh. So yeah. so they were, you know, very big into travel. And I had actually taken a, it was sort of a um, Holy Lands Bible related uh, tour with them when, before I married my first husband. And so I knew what it was going to look like. And then I met my first husband and at the age of 19, uh, we were. I was married, and two days later, living in Iran. I think that gave me the courage to do a lot of the things that that I've done. Talk about that, because uh, before you got into your broadcasting career, I mean, I think it was before you graduated from college from IU, right? Talk about that and what that experience was like. Very difficult, but it, it, challenging, especially as a woman, a Western woman. And again, you know, I was nineteen and and twenty. I was there for a year and a half. So very young and, you know, very naive, but I had some really, really interesting experiences and I wouldn't change that for anything. It was the hardest thing probably I've ever done, but I wouldn't change it because it, you know, it gave me a lot of um, strength, I think, to know that I can handle anything I have to to handle. And, uh, you know, I met a lot of really interesting people. It gave me a love of travel and a love of culture. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a unique, interesting culture, and not always real easy for women. Right. And I do have some experiences where I wasn't treated very nicely, and then I have some great experiences where I was treated very nicely yeah. by um, Iranians. And of course, they've gone through quite a period since I lived there. We left before the revolution, but mm-hmm. um, we had friends that had to be evacuated out. So because of because of all of that. So and I still think to this day, I maintain that, you know, everybody everywhere in the world we've ever gone, people do like Americans. I've never experienced anything where people didn't like me because I'm American. And in Iran, the same way. I actually one of my favorite stories is is one time I, I got a phone call and it was a wrong number. And it was an Iranian man who then tried to speak English to me. He didn't know much English, but he wanted to practice on me. And he asked uh, if he could call back. Well, today, you know, it'd be crazy to say yes. But I said, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he would call me back on a regular basis. And one day invited uh, my husband, my first husband, Bob, and myself out to dinner. And we met him. And he was this really handsome, 
older Iranian man who just he just wanted to meet Americans. He just he just wanted to get to know us and learn about our our culture. And we used to have dinner with him and invited him to to our apartment for dinner and and made friends with him. And I had other friends like that that were Iranian that I really enjoyed a lot. So I, I've often wondered what happened to them, and I felt bad that those would be the ones that would have suffered the most, probably the ones sure. that did want to know um, yeah. Americans and and had that you know freedom kind of thing. Yeah. After your time in Iran, uh, you came back to the U.S., and that I guess kind of started you on your your path into broadcasting. You went to IU Telecom major, right? Yes. What why, right. why telecommunications? Why did did you always want to be uh, on radio or TV? No, not really. In fact. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I started out in education and I got engaged fairly early to my first husband. And my last semester uh, before I got married and, and left, I took a speech class and I got up and gave a speech and I sat down and the, and the girl in front of me turned around. And she said, have you ever thought about being in broadcasting? You have a great voice. And I went, hmm, no, no, I've never given that a, a thought at all. And so that planted a seed in my head. And so I spent the year and a half away, came back and finished my degree and had changed to telecommunications and, and loved my career. And the interesting thing that brings it kind of back around, I uh, recently taught at a speaking speech class at Purdue, and I've also taught at IUPUI. And it's a story I tell. Because I know that this is a class that everybody has to take at both Purdue and IU. You have to take public speaking and you go through all the all different forms of speeches that you have to give and that kind of thing. And so my first day, that's the story I tell. I know you're, you, you're here because you have to be here and you're, <laughs> you're thinking, I don't want to give speeches and I don't want to be here. Yeah. But it, a class like this can change your life. It can make you think differently make you analyze who you are and you have to dig kind of deep to give these speeches and that kind of thing. So it kind of came around for me. And, uh, but I love my career. I really did. Um, yeah. spent more than 30 years in broadcasting. Well, I'm very successful at it too. Uh, I should mention you're yeah. a hall of famer, the Indiana broadcasters, uh, hall of fame. You were inducted, uh, I think maybe three years ago. It has, it was 2019, 2019. Congratulations. Yep. That's a, thank you. That's a high, uh, a high honor on uh, you're in there with some, some, uh, some fellow great broadcasters. Um, well, thank you. You'll get there someday. You will be there. You're just still working. <laughs> we'll you're still see. working. Still in the working. Business. That's How right. We get you there. That's right. <laughs> well, talk about, because you got into radio in Indianapolis in the heyday of radio, right? It was still, uh, a thing that it, everybody tuned in in the morning on their way yeah. to work. I mean, we don't all go to work anymore. You don't get in the car and go to work. So, you, you know, it's a whole different thing. Plus, it's not the industry that it used to be. And I think my goal was probably not necessarily to be in radio. I wanted probably to be more serious and do news and that kind of thing. And then I came up here one day after probably right before I graduated from IU. And I already had a job, but it was in sales at WBWB in Bloomington. It was a brand new station at the time, but I wanted to be on the air. So I came up and hit three radio stations in one day. And by the time I got back to Bloomington, I had a call from Wife. Mm-hmm. And it's a guy by the name of Sam Graves. I don't know if you yep, know Sam. I do. He yep. was the news director at the time. Love Sam. He's a great friend. So I came back up and did a tape for him, you know, had him, he had me read news or read whatever, and he gave me a job on the spot. And 
I didn't know anything about it. And and they were so nice to as to train me and help me. And I go out and cover stories and do all kinds of stuff. And and I had a great time. I just love, love the the people there. And so I enjoyed radio, but probably I thought I would most like to be in, in TV. Mm-hmm. But I got a call from Chris Connor. You probably know Chris, and he's yep. also in the Hall of Fame. And I took the the place of Tom Cochran, who had moved on to uh, PM Magazine at the time. And he did, of yep. course, he uh, was very successful in television. But I took his role as part of the morning team on WNAP. And I did that for four years. And that's when Chris Duffy called me to uh, go to Channel 59. I was the first on-air person hired there. Wow. And that was an interesting experience. I enjoyed TV and I've done a lot of other TV type things, but I wasn't really in control like you are in radio. I mean, you can control your yep. morning show. You can, you, yeah. you call the shots. And I also, by that time I had a, a son, a young son, and I just didn't like the hours because I'd be there at 11 midnight, you know? So I went back into radio once uh, 59 made some major changes and, yeah. and I became news director of Network Indiana for a couple of years and then went back to the fun radio music radio. Yeah. And yeah. so I did ZPL for several years and WENS for WENS is my favorite, mm-hmm. my favorite job. And I was there for nine years and loved it. And a lot of it probably it was because it was fun, um, creative. And it allowed me to be there for my children because I'd be home by noon, one o'clock. So I'd yeah. be there when they got home from school. So it, it worked out really well for me. Hey, what was uh, what was it like being on the morning show on WNAP? Because very popular station and it mm-hmm. had a lot of fun. Uh, I know mm-hmm. what was what was that like? It was groundbreaking. I yeah. would say there was not the zoo format. I really think Chris Connor is responsible for the zoo format. And if you talk to him, he'll tell you, you know, they, they wanted to move him to a morning show or they wanted to do whatever at, and this would have been in the late sixties, early seventies, early seventies, maybe. And he didn't want to do it alone. So he brought his friends with him you know? uh-huh. <laughs> and it became that zoo format where everybody has some role or, or whatever. So when I went there, I was still in my early 20s and it was probably a little intimidating, which is great for me because, you know, the more you push yourself, the more you find you can do. Yeah. And I have found that throughout my life that, you know, I love the challenge. I don't know that I did then, but but I learned to love the challenge. If, I'm, if it scares me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to uh-huh. conquer it. <laughs> And so I used to all, you know, the whole way up driving to work every morning, it was like, I can do this. I can do this. Uh-huh. And I did that for you know weeks and months and whatever until I got less intimidated by it. But it was kind of, it was crazy. I mean, there were some characters there that are still, Chris is a very close friend. Fast Freddy Fever was there. Freddy is, is still a friend. You know, all these people have been lifelong friends and so, but I think I learned to appreciate them after I left and not necessarily during, because I was a woman. I was the only woman around, you know, I yeah. mean, there were maybe a woman here or there that did overnights or did some other, you know, function at the radio station, but not necessarily on the air. And so uh, it was kind of a, a boys club. And and whereas I, I think of myself as being real male oriented, I 
probably lean towards the guys more than women mm-hmm. <laughs> in in friends and everything. It's still I was still a little different. You know, yeah. I wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because you really were a pioneer because you you were the first woman on a morning show, right? Uh, on radio in Indianapolis. Permanent part. There were those that would do, you know, different things or fill in or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I was a first permanent, which was a little, a little scary. And people, you know, would tell me, oh, you hold your own and you do this and you do that. And I'm the whole time thinking, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really think I'm all that great, but thank you. You know, because uh-huh. you just, you you learn your own voice. I think it takes time and experience. And, and I remember, you know, I was on the air when the, uh, the hostage crisis in Iran happened. And I knew more about any of that than anybody because sure. I'd lived there. And yet I didn't have the courage to speak up as much. These are all things you learn as you get older. And you, know, you learn, you find your own voice. And I think that's the most important thing anybody should do, especially if you're in, in any kind of role in broadcasting or whatever, find your own voice. What is that? Yeah. And it, it's unique to you. And I think I fi- finally found it. What challenges being a woman in a, in a very, at that time, very male dominated industry, if you will, what challenges did you confront? Tons. Yeah. I was told to, um, oh, sit there and look pretty. Uh-huh. That didn't go over real well. <laughs> Let's see, at ZPL, I worked with someone for several years in the morning that they got rid of. And so the program director came to me and said, so I did it. I did it. The morning show with different people, variety of different people, and until they found a permanent person. But the program director comes to me and he says, "We're looking for the male and Craig." And I thought, "I'll bet they think that's a compliment, but it's really <laughs> not. It's like, why do you need a male me? Why can't I be the morning show?" So they brought somebody in who didn't want to be living in my shadow. Was the word the phrase he used? And so not too long later, I, I was fired because this guy complained because he wasn't the one getting all the attention. I got the attention because I had been here for many years. Prior to mm-hmm. that, people did know me. Yeah. But as a woman, they didn't want me leading the morning show. I don't think you still see very many women leading morning shows. You don't. So then at ENS, I had a few issues. I had a program director who uh, one time told me, I'm so over this strong female thing. strong female thing you think that i'm putting on an act or something i'm sorry this is this is who i am this is my personality and i'm not gonna uh cow to you just because you you think i should sit there and giggle i don't giggle (laughs) i'm not gonna sit there and just be you know the person that that the guy gets all the lines and the jokes and 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 runs the 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 whole morning show i'm just not gonna do that so we had a few um Moments that weren't real good <laughs> between us. And in the end, they put my husband, John, on the morning show with me um, after I had done mornings with Scott Fisher. If you remember Scott, who is still a very close friend, love Scott. I had such a great time with him and our morning show producer, Don Carson. We were a little we were a little family. We had a great time. We really did. Unfortunately, they fired Scott. I think they fired him like four times before that he finally took. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that's the point that yeah. that I'm not I'm not banging the company as much as I'm banging radio, yeah. and that is kind of how radio can be. Um, they don't still to this day necessarily commit to the person as much as well. What do the ratings look like right now? 
So anyway, they put John on with me and we uh, were there for about two years together and got fired, came back and did the morning show at the Smooth Jazz Station for quite a few years together. Um, but then he and I have worked together, whether it be on air or in our businesses for the past, well, we've been married 27 years now. So Yeah, yeah. What's your take on the, the radio business? It's changed dramatically, obviously, uh, since those days. But your take on the radio business, if you will, today versus when you, um, uh, you know, were in it? Well, it's not all live. It's right. not all local. <clears throat> My uh, John actually does voice track. And for years, he'd voice track a whole week's worth of afternoon drive. You know, that's not anything that's happening right now there's there you know they <laughs> bad weather can come blow through or something major can happen and you're never going to know it on that station and at one time that's what people would do they would turn on the radio to find out what was going on right we don't yeah. do that anymore uh yeah. it may be maybe wibc still because they do still have a a new staff and everything but you know, when i first came to town all the stations had new staff everybody so. did yeah yeah mm -hmm. and and that was Probably unnecessary, maybe, I don't know, but it was kind of fun. And it, it's just changed. It's not necessary anymore. You've got people that are sitting in one place um, and they they may voice track 10 different stations and they maybe have never been here. When we did the Smooth Jazz Station, the, the midday person lived in Kansas City and had visited Indianapolis once. Uh -huh. So she didn't know anything about the town. So there's no commitment to the markets anymore. It's not local. It's not live. It's not fun. I know there are stations that do have fun still, I'm sure. You know, we used to joke that we'd have disc jockey meetings and we'd have it once a month and we'd go to a restaurant and have, you know, a whole section or we'd have it in the conference room and you'd have a big, huge table and we'd fill the table plus some. And now you could fill a, a jock meeting in a, in a phone booth of their yeah. phone booth. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so it just isn't the same and you get used to that. Everything changes, you know, yeah. and, and that's fine. So you got to adapt. Adapting yeah. is the most important thing. Much more with Ann Craig Cinnamon when we return, including uh, our pioneering a venture into a new station at the time, channel 59, the original channel 59 and a lot more. That's when the business and beyond podcast returns. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank, all rights reserved. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week is Hall of Fame broadcaster Ann Craig Cinnamon. And uh, Ann, we talked a lot about radio and your exploits in radio in the first part of the podcast. Uh, but you you wanted to do TV and you got your chance at Channel 59, right? That's correct. So it was not on the air yet. 
I got a call from uh, Chris Duffy, who was the mm-hmm. um, had been at Channel 13 for many years as a, the general manager. He also taught a class at IU. That's how I met him. I was in a, a class of his. And so he called me and, and asked if I would uh, come over as the news director. And I said, I don't have experience in television, so I don't know that I could be the news director. Well, at least be the public affairs director and be an anchor reporter. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, I'll give that a try. So we would practice and, you know, I set up the public affairs side um, at the station and uh, did a variety of things. We go out and cover stories just for practice and that kind of thing. And then we went on the air and um, it was fine. It was kind of a unique twist. They did not want to focus on personalities. They wanted to focus on news and be a little bit different than how the other stations were handling it. And we really only had, we would do updates throughout the day. And then there was an evening newscast and it was that earlier time slot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you weren't fighting the other newscasts. So I think they had some really interesting, good ideas and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, it was the first news station here in town in I don't know how many years. So, but it wasn't, had no affiliate at that time. Mm -hmm. It was not, there was no Fox at that time. Yep. So um, then a few things happened to change the ownership and that kind of thing. And pretty soon they, they decided to not heavily do the news so we didn't have newscasts we just did like updates throughout the day and that kind of thing and i stuck around for that for a while and became news director of network indiana which is yeah. um, still around yeah um and it's a statewide radio network yeah who who uh, who are the on-air folks i remember them, but uh, uh, can you tick off who was on the air as channel 59 went on the air Yes, but most of them didn't either stay in the market or would not be known. Ken Owen um, did. Yep. Um, I uh, actually got Ken his job there because uh, they weren't really looking for anybody. And I knew Ken from IBC and um, I brought him up to Chris and Chris loved him and gave him a job, even though he had filled all the spots or whatever. And so... Was Denner- Was Chris Denary? Did he? Yes, Chris. Of course, Chris. Chris, yes. Chris is great. Yes, Chris. Yeah, he did sports. And he's still around. He still yeah. does. Pacers. Um, he, oh, that Pacers. team. Yeah. TV, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little thing called the Pacers. That little I've team, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but the experience, so I had to be, uh, it was interesting, I guess. You actually launching a television station, getting them on the air. As you mentioned, uh-huh. you went out and you do practice runs and those types of uh-huh. things. So yeah. I'm sure you felt, again, yeah. that pioneering spirit uh, at play there as well. Well, and and in setting up, the news department. I mean, there are a lot of things involved. And of course you edited differently than you do today, yep. but you need B-roll. Yep. You don't do a story without going out and getting a whole bunch of B-roll. So, you know, we had photographers and, and people that would go out and just shoot the town, shoot the city so that you would have lots of B-roll to use when the time came. And in the public affairs department, I, you know, had to make connections and do shows and do all kinds of, of things in order to be prepared when you go on the air, you don't just sit down and start talking. You know, you have to yep. have um, all kinds of, of prep ready. And and they did uh, a lot of local shows, too. So Peggy, Popeye and Peggy. Oh, yeah. Um, if you remember Popeye there? and Peggy, it, yeah. Peggy Nicholson. She um, she did a kid show. Um, there were a couple of other local shows that uh, he put on that Chris had this, you know, thing where he wanted to be very local. Mm-hmm. And so he did local shows, not just news, mm-hmm. and which is a real commitment to 
I think the community that you don't um, see as much anymore. You only see it in the news departments. And I think you see less and less of it there as well. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? Louisville, the Louisville area, Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. What was growing up in Louisville like? Yeah. you know, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I left at 19. So that uh-huh. tells you anything. So I went to an all girls Catholic high school in, in Louisville. And that's when I learned that maybe I didn't like girls so much when you go to school with only girls. It's like, oh uh-huh. my God. <laughs> but anyway, so I uh, graduated a year early from high school because I did not like high school and I had gone to summer school and I was kind of like in a big hurry. So yeah. <laughs> um, went on to, to college. That's where I met my, my first husband and then off to Iran and, and the rest is, you know, history. Yeah. want to talk before we wrap up, I want to talk about uh, the travel business that you're in uh, mm-hmm. because obviously it's an industry that was, was really hit hard during the pandemic but seems to be, I know we just get, my wife and I just got back from a trip to Europe and boy, uh, you know, things were robust, yep. things happening. Give us your take on the state of the travel industry. Mm-hmm. Well, from the things that I read and I, and I get tons of information every day about uh, what's going on everywhere. Um, most things are opened up except Asia. You know, China is far from being opened up and there are other places, but most everything else is opened up. There are some places such as Australia where you still have to test to go. And I have some issues with that with clients that, you know, um, have to test. I think that in general, we're getting back to the idea that I found interesting was that overall we're at like 85% of pre-pandemic levels and we seem to be stagnating. So whatever that extra 15 or uh, uh, beyond is, I don't know, but it's not fully back yet everywhere. And I don't know if it's because there's a lot of people that are still not comfortable traveling. They don't want to be around, you know, other people as much or if it's destination driven or or whatever. But I can tell you, I've never been busier. Um, COVID just devastated our business. I mean, just devastated. I stopped counting at about 40 cancellations and rebookings and just stop counting. It was like, yeah, what's the yeah. point? That had to and be it was demoralizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was horrible because, you know, I, I had worked so hard to get all these bookings and get everything done and, you know, whatever, and then, and you got to go back and do it again for no yeah. money whatsoever uh-huh. and rebook them or cancel them or whatever. But it is, it definitely is coming back. I'm hugely uh, busy with travel again. There are other issues with it in that, you know, you do have to be sure that, um, you know, all the requirements. Uh, so there are a few cruise lines that are still requiring that you be vaccinated. Viking is one of them. I think you, you mm-hmm. indicated yep. that you did um, yours on Viking, which is a, it's a great cruise line, but they're still requiring it. Many of the cruise lines are not requiring vaccination. Um, you do have to absolutely check the country that you're going to because it might be different. They might be requiring something you're not aware of. A lot of them have forms that you need to fill out before you go and you might not know that. Mm-hmm. So you want to check all that out. Um, we've traveled several times to Europe this year. And when we first went, we went to Ireland in March. That's where we were when COVID hit in 2020. We were in Ireland and we got sent home. Oh, wow. And Yeah. And so we went back two years later. So we were there for the parade and all that, which was hugely fun. Oh, my gosh, I love Ireland. But we were still testing to come home. 
And, you know, you test at the airport and then you sit there and hold your breath for like an hour and hope that that you don't test positive so that you can go home. And now, of course, you don't have to test to come home. Um, We did uh, France then in May and still we were testing at that point uh, still as well. And you had forms to fill out and all that kind of stuff. Then we went back in August for another trip in Europe. None of that. Huh. We didn't fill out any forms. We didn't yeah. test to come home. But I've had clients who got stuck in Europe because they had COVID. I had a good friend get stuck in Spain because he tested positive for COVID. And yet his girlfriend did not. She comes home. She had COVID. Oh, so God. none of it made any difference. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're not stopping anything. You're, yeah. You know, uh, the testing really. There's a cruise ship that was just in um, Australia, a princess cruise cruise that 800 people tested positive. Wow. 800. They all had to test to get on that ship. All of them. So they all tested negative to get on the ship in Australia. And yet they come back and there's 800 of them, about a third of them have COVID. And nobody got really sick and nobody died. Thank goodness. You know, because hopefully we're beyond that. But the point is is that what's the point of testing? (laughs) And spread it. Yeah. Yeah. So you just got to be careful with whatever you do. Yep. Well, Anne, you've had a tremendous uh, career as a broadcaster and now smooth sailing in the travel industry. So I hope that continues. Can I mention our documentary? John yes, and please I have a do. documentary that went national. But uh, uh, Go ahead and give me the, the rundown. It's the uh, tran- uh, journey on the Trans-Siberian Railway. Uh, we did um, from Moscow to Beijing in 2019 on the Trans-Siberian Railway, which is, um, you know, a, a several thousand mile trip mm-hmm. on the train. And we shot it all along the way. It was just John and wow. me. We came back and we uh, wrote it, produced it. We have a good friend who is an editor and he edited it. Um, Channel 20 here, WFYI, very, very nice. They're they're great people. They helped us with it and, and put it on and then helped us uh, offer it nationally. And um, PBS offered it to the to their PBS stations and to more than 250 stations around the country picked it up. Wow, so, that's awesome. Where can we see it now? Can we uh, um, catch it It's now? not airing locally right now, um, I, I don't believe, but it is on different stations around the country. So I'm not really sure. Um, I can check into that, but I, I'm not really sure where it and is. Give us the name, the title uh, again. It's Journey on the Trans-Siberian Railway. Okay. And um, it's a half an hour travel um, thing, just John and me, and uh, hugely fun. And it's probably the thing I'm most proud of. Because in my career, because Jesse and I and our and our friend, the editor, and we went national with it. And it was That's like, great. That, yeah, pretty cool. I'm very excited about that. Very good. Well, and Craig Cinnamon, thanks so much for taking time to thank be on you, the podcast. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for well, talking to me. You bet. Hope to see you soon. <laughs> thanks. And thank you for joining us on the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It is a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7 at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.